SEALs fans, welcome to SEALs Pod. It's been a while since we actually had a SEALs Pod. Hope you've been enjoying the TFL podcast, but wanted to get a little SEALs talk here. We haven't talked to head coach and general manager Patrick Merrill in quite a while, but uh, wanted to wrap up the offseason here and probably not quite totally wrapped up, but finish the draft. So uh, get caught up on everything that has happened uh, with the building of this coming season's team. Patrick, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you doing? Doing well. The, uh, the weather's starting to cool down out here, so uh, everything is going well. Uh, you know, I guess it'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the end of last season, and uh, I'm sure it was a bit of a roller coaster for you, for the guys, uh, not knowing if you're going to be able to finish the season. You know, give us a, a brief history of what it was once the league shut down and then what you did to kind of keep connected with the guys and then uh, you know, how everybody handled the actual cancellation of the season. Yeah, it was tricky, um, you know, and, and again, for us, it was uh, quite a bit of a bummer because we, we felt like we were really rolling at that stage in the season and we were kind of finding our legs and, um, you know, we were on a bit of a, a hot streak too um, and kind of dug ourselves out of the hole that we were in early in the season. So that was a bit of a bummer. Um, but, you know, our focus was just to kind of stay ready. Um again and and try to keep the momentum uh moving in the right direction the best that we could and um but as you know that was tricky because you know guys had to go back to different cities and um you know um we were in lockdown or quarantine in most places so um yeah it was a little bit tricky but how we handled it was we we just had weekly um zoom meetings um uh, as a team and then we broke up into offensive and defensive groups and uh, uh, and had Zoom meetings as well. And, and, and honestly, they were very productive. Um, you know, the guys really enjoyed interacting with each other, even, even though it was virtually. And I think that was what they missed the most was that interaction with each other uh, as teammates. And uh, so that was, that was really positive. And, you know, we got a lot of great work in and, and that sort of thing. But then, you know, at the longer it went, and then obviously the the eventual suspension of the of the season was, you know, it, it was it was hard. It was actually pretty emotional because, um, you know, uh, you know, at that point, guys kind of, you know, it was knew that some guys would be going different their different ways, and and that, and and that and that it wouldn't be the same group coming kind of coming back uh, next season. So it got a little bit um, emotional, but but overall. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to stay, stay connected with the guys. And, and I think, it, I think it'll bode well for us, uh, you know, going into this season. You talk about some of the emotions and guys knowing that things in their lives were changing and a couple guys that departed in free agency. Uh, first, the first seal, the, the first guy you brought in to, to wear the purple and gold, Kyle Buchanan, uh, signed with Buffalo. And, uh, you know, this isn't like, every other sport there are uh, extenuating circumstances to situations like that talk about uh what Kyle's situation was and you know maybe why he ended up on another team yeah uh really tough uh really tough guy to lose um you know obviously we've grown to love Kyle not only for what he does on the floor but he was I think great in the community and and just a great leader and and uh you know um a, a, a personal friend as well so uh, it was tough to lose him um but you know in our league and, and most other professional sports obviously it's a business and um you know when when you have a chance to be an unrestricted free agent which which he earned at his age and with his level of experience uh playing in our league uh 
um, you know, he, he chose to move closer to where he's from and he has a young family. He just had his second daughter, um, uh, in the summertime. So, uh, it would have been very challenging for him and his family to play in San Diego. Um, as much as he loved the city, as much as he loved the team, I know it was really hard on him. He just couldn't make it work family wise. And, uh, that was kind of the main reason why he moved on. And I think everybody in our organization understood and appreciated his situation and just appreciated everything he did for the organization through his first two years. Yeah, yeah agreed. I mean, a, a great ambassador. I, I couldn't think of a better guy to sign first, you know, honestly, if looking back and um, great ambassador for our team. And I know, I know San Diego and the Seals always hold a, a special part in his heart as well. Absolutely. And then the other major uh, departure, Garrett McIntosh on the defensive side, uh, picked him up in the expansion draft and was a big part of your team as well. Uh, he'll be a player that'll be tough to replace. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And, uh, you know, a big physical guy that uh, we, you know, uh, we valued highly, you know, he was, a, he was a great guy. We were hoping to have him back, but again, very, very, um, uh, you know, the reason for that move on his end was he's getting married. You know, he, he grew up in the Vancouver area and, and that's where he chose to sign. So, uh, you know, getting to play in front of f friends and family during the last couple of years of his career uh, was important to him. And again, a guy that, uh, you know, when I think about our first couple of years, you know, I'll, I'll remember fondly. He uh, he gave us everything that he had and, and uh, nothing, no ill will at all. Uh, wish him good luck, obviously, but uh, except for when we play Vancouver, division rival. So, uh, uh, but again, uh, you know, he'll be a, a big loss, but we feel like we've uh, addressed kind of filling those, filling those roles in other ways throughout the course of the offseason. So that leads to our next move. Uh, your trade of the offseason was adding a young defenseman in Tyson Bomberry. Uh, talk about that trade and what he's going to bring to this team. Yeah, Tyson, uh, I, I had the chance to coach when he was in junior. Um, he's, uh, he's a natural leader, even though he's a young guy. Um, he has relationships with a lot of players on our team already. Um, you know, specifically Austin Stats, they grew up together in the same community, same hometown. Um, so, but with, with, with Tyson, you can expect kind of a lot of what, what Garrett brought, um, Garrett McIntosh brought. Um, uh, he's very physical. He hits, he hits hard. Um, you know, but he's also pretty, uh, versatile. So he could take face-offs. Um, I think he's an underrated uh, transition player as well. He has a really good stick. Um, you know, and, and I think maybe a little bit more dynamic in terms of taking the ball away. So, um, he, um, again, like I said, he's, he's physical, but he also has, has a really good stick. So, uh, he creates a lot of turnovers. So, uh, you know, he was a first-round pick uh, in 2019. So to be able to acquire a guy like that at his age with that much upside and ceiling, and and also he's a lot, got a lot of winning experience from his, his years at Syracuse uh, as a college player and then his years in Six Nations as a junior player. So for us to be able to get our hands on him uh, at this stage in his career, we think is a big plus. Yeah, when you've got a, such a veteran defense with Brody and Cam and guys like that, it's got to be nice to get younger and uh, build for the future of, on the defensive side. Absolutely. So, yeah, the, obviously to get some younger guys that, that uh, um, you know, that Brody and Cam can mentor and groom, but also, um, you know, we have a really 
good core of other defensive guys kind of around Tyson's age that we think are going to be our core defensively moving forward. Uh, Eli Goldbreck, Matt Sykes, Drew Belgrave, et cetera. Graydon Bradley, the list goes on. We have a lot of guys in that generation of player that, that we're really excited to kind of add Tyson to. Uh, and I think they're going to be a scary combination going forward, not only this upcoming season, but hopefully for many years to come. So that leads into free agency and your chance to add players without losing any draft capital or, you know, just trying to get guys that want to come to San Diego. I guess to start off, what's your initial approach to reaching out to free agency? Obviously, you're selling San Diego, you're selling Josiah, you're selling the organization. Uh, it seems like it's pretty hard for a lot of players to leave organizations that they've been with for a long time. What's your initial approach going into free agency? Well, you know, I, I think um, San Diego, first of all, is a pretty appealing place to be for a free agent. Um, the tricky part about it, though, is that most of these guys are, are older guys, right? They're veteran guys, so you don't become a free agent until you're 31 years old, 30, 31 years old, and you have to have a certain amount of uh, uh, years of experience in the league in order to, be, to qualify to be a, an unrestricted free agent. So, um, you know, there aren't a lot of, you know, uh, great options for guys that, that um, you know, that, again, a lot of guys would have families in other places or, or played, in, played for another franchise, as you mentioned, for a long period of time beforehand. So as appealing as the city and the organization is to a free agent, there are cer certain guys that, like, like you mentioned, just can't do it, right, or, or would kind of favor where they were before. So, um, yeah, I mean, our approach is, is really, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, selling obviously what, what the organization has on the floor, off the floor in terms of what the city has to provide and, and what the community has to provide for themselves and their families, et cetera. But, uh, but also, uh, I think the team on the floor has a big uh, part to do with it as well. So, you know, I think every unrestricted free agent looks at our roster, right, looks at our coaching staff. Uh, looks at our organization top to bottom along with their agent or their representative um, and and so from our perspective we we try to kind of obviously um, you know um, sell the, the kind of the total package uh, and, and we think we were able to be pretty successful um, in free agency this year. Absolutely so you lose a right-handed forward in Kyle Buchanan and you replace him with a great veteran like Reese Dutch. Tell us about the machinations of that deal and what he brings to this team. Yeah, Reese is going to be a, a Hall of Famer. Um, and again, I, you know, hard for us to replace uh, Kyle Buchanan. Um, and he's a very different type of player than Kyle was uh, or is. Um, but um, actually, Reese kind of checks some boxes that we were looking for, um, you know, in general, too, because he can shoot the ball. He's an elite level uh, scorer. He, like I said, he's going to be a future Hall of Fame player in this league. Um, one of the top leading points, point getters of all time in our sport. So, and, and he's won two championships in our league. So um, to be able to add a player like that, um, you know, and steal him away from a, 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 a divisional rival in Calgary, uh, we think is a big swing for us and, and is able to kind of, uh, you know, insulate the rest of our, our, our right side and, and, and also, 
you know, keep our keep the chemistry that we had going going with our offense uh, to end last year going in the right direction, and you know, and adding some young young free agents as well on the right side, like a like a Jay Carlson. You know, we're really excited about him and what he can bring. A bigger body, a right-handed player that can play inside as well, and and has a great outside shot and and that sort of thing too. So, um, yeah, I think I think obviously losing Kyle and 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 with the draft this year with the uh, unpredictability of of when we're able to get, to get our our draft picks into the lineup, um, you know, to be able to add some guys in free agency uh, like Reese and like Jay and some of the other guys that we added, um, you know, I, gave us some more confidence going into this year. And again, taking away from that same division rival in Calgary, bringing in Greg Harnett on the defensive side, what's he going to add? Uh, as a veteran player to your defense? Uh, yeah, I like, I like Greg Harnett's game a lot. Uh, I've known him for a long period of time. Um, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that you like to have on your team but despise playing against. You know, he's extremely, extremely competitive. Uh, he brings a lot of sandpaper. Um, you know, but in my opinion, he, he has a really good under, understanding of kind of what it takes to win. Right. And, and, and how he can assert himself on the floor to help his team win. Very unselfish, team oriented guy that would stand in front of a moving train for his teammates. So uh, and, you know, even though Greg's been in the league for a long period of time, he's and won a couple championships in our league. He's still only 30 years old. So we think he's got, you know, and, you know, around 30, late 20s, early 30s, we think is kind of um, a player's prime in our league, especially for a defender. So he's a very smart guy that plays a lot of sandpaper that I think is going to be is going to fit in really really well with our defensive unit. And another interesting guy you signed, uh, Max Adler, uh, a faceoff guy from the MLL. Um, is he going to come in and compete with Brandon Clellan for that faceoff job? Yeah. So Brandon uh, has done a really good job for us uh, over the last two years. I think he's played every game for us since uh, since we since game one. Um, and, you know, he's a scrappy uh, player that, that not only uh, helps us in the face-off X, but also plays well defensively and is a good transition player as well. So Max is more of a, a, a face-off specialist. So, um, and, you know, our, our goal this year, one of the areas that we needed to improve is just ball possession. So, uh, you know, and, and that is not only winning face-offs, uh, winning face-offs helps, which is, part of the reason why uh, we were so interested in Max, but, but also, you know, uh, there's a lot of other areas that we need to get better at in, in our own end to be able to make sure that we're, uh, you know, it's, it's much like basketball that way. So time of possession is very important. Uh, and obviously having the ball more often uh, than the other team is usually going to bode well for you at the end of the night. So, uh, but one of those areas is that we felt we can get better in terms of ball possession off the face off to quite frankly, just get the ball in our offensive uh, player sticks a little bit more often and give them more opportunities to, to wear defenses down and, and put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, his upside as a field faceoff guy seems pretty impressive. So if that can translate to the box game, that could be a, a pretty, pretty big improvement. Absolutely. And, and, and the other thing that we like about Max, too, is that he, he, he fits our culture very well. So he has, he's a high-character high guy. He's played with a lot of guys on our team um, in, in, in the outdoor game. And, and everybody that, that we talk to 
uh, prior to us signing him speaks very, very highly of him. And he's an energetic kid. He's enthusiastic. He knows that, you know, he has lots of work to do to crack the lineup, but he's really, really intent in playing in our league and, uh, and hungry. And, and, you know, we'll see what he can do in, in training camp. Cali BBQ is proud to be an official sponsor of your San Diego Seals. Buy our slow-smoked barbecue at any Seals home game or online anytime at www.calibbq.media. Transitioning over to the draft and uh, what an odd, interesting, unique draft and just in the situation that like so many things in life, COVID has put uh, a spin on this. So kind of give us the... uh, the difference in this draft. So you've got college players who would have probably been in the draft, but are now eligible to go back to college because they get got an extra year of eligibility, but they're going to be drafted, possibly go play college and then join their NLL teams, you know, kind of give the breakdown. Who, who are you even allowed to talk to ahead of the draft to make sure, you know, you could kind of understand if they were a good fit, if they were going to be able to play on the West coast, you know, what were some of the challenges and the processes in this new COVID draft, so to speak? Yeah, it, there was a lot of moving parts and I'll, I'll try to keep it uh, short and sweet for you, but, um, you know, and really proud of um, the work that all of our, that our entire scouting staff, they're, they're a lot of the unsung heroes behind the scenes and in, in, in any professional organization. But this year was a very, very year, a tricky year. And, and it put a lot of, uh, our scouts put a lot of extra time into it. So I got to give a shout out to those guys. But um, um, yeah, I mean, really, there was an extra year of eligibility granted to um, 2020 graduates, uh, NCAA graduates. So, but they had the choice to either renounce their last year of el- that extra year of eligibility uh, and enter the draft as a true draftee. So they, those players can, can join our league. You know, they're not going back to college. They can join our league immediately, go to training camp, et cetera. They're, uh, uh, so there's those players, and then there are players that obviously chose to return to college uh, and, and play out their fifth year of eligibility. And so um, a lot of the guys that were ranked high in the first round of the draft had chosen to go back to school. So – you know, it's a bit of a balancing act. So do you try to get a guy that you think can, you know, help you right now um, that didn't go, that chose not to go back to school, is able to do a full training camp, play a full season with us if they make the, the team? Or do you take your chances on a guy that might have kind of a higher ceiling or ranked higher uh, as a prospect in the draft, um, you know, knowing that, you know, best case scenario, they're going to join you, you know, after the season already starts. Um, so, and you might, and worst case scenario, you might not get them till next year. Um, so into your lineup. So um, again, because we were able to add, we felt um, some really, really good players in, in uh, through trade and, and free agency, like, like you mentioned, Reese Dutch and, and Greg Harnett and Tyson Bombery and Jake Bernhardt and some other guys that we were really confident that would have a good chance to make our team. Um, we looked at the draft probably a little, little bit more big picture, um, except for the fourth overall pick. So, um, so the fourth overall pick and, and, and Matt O'Keefe at, with the 15th overall pick as well, 
Um, we wanted to obviously uh, factor in the big picture with those guys and hopefully have these guys for, you know, many years to come. Um, but we were also kind of hoping that these, the guys that we picked in the first round would be able to have the ability and talent and maturity and all that type of stuff to be able to help us this year, hopefully down the stretch going into the playoffs uh, this year and, and, and potentially help us get into the playoffs too. So, um, yeah, so I don't know if you want me to get into ask, talking about those guys individually, but that was kind of our general approach going into, uh, into the draft. Definitely want to get there. A couple quick questions. Do you approach a draft more so positional need, best player available? What's the balance in making those choices? Um, good question. So I would say in the, in the first, you know, first couple rounds, yeah, you're kind of looking at, uh, again, a bit of both. So you, you, you're, you're, you always want to pick the best available player, uh, no matter what. I think that's our responsibility to the organization as a whole in general. Um, but in the first couple rounds, you, you also should be able to address a, an immediate need as well, uh, an immediate positional need as well. And, and again, that's how we looked at it. Uh, when we're going through our prospect lists during our weekly calls with our scouts, et cetera. The guys in the later rounds, you know, more, more so best available player. And you're a guy that, you know, in everything you do in life, you're going to do your due diligence. Uh, you know, you don't have to spill any secrets, but did you get close on any deals? Were there a lot of deals to be made, had? What was the activity like on the trade front? Then nothing really came through, but uh, how active and how close were you on anything? Yeah. I think I might have vented to you a couple times, Mike, and some other staff uh, members in San Diego uh, over the course of the off season. Yeah, we were we were uh, lots of conversations went on over the course of the summer. Again, longer off season, so you know uh, it provi provides a little bit of a trickier situation in terms of identifying players and where players are going to be this upcoming season without you know a, a summer of lacrosse to develop and that sort of thing, but. Also more time to have conversations with other GMs and other, and other teams and other organizations. So um, that being said, we were very happy with where we sat in the draft because, um, you know, with the fourth overall pick, we knew that we were going to get a player that could both help us now and help us in the future, no matter really who we felt um, was available to us at that pick. So, um, you know, but we, we did try to acquire more picks in the first round because it was a deep draft, uh, 2020 draft, and, um, you know, and, 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 and try to acquire some picks in the second round as well uh, to maybe fill some other needs. But, uh, and, you know, there were some other conversations as well about, you know, uh, you know, trying to bring in other players and trying to move up and all that stuff. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we really couldn't get much done. But at the same time, there was part of the reason for that was, we were really, really happy with who we were, who was available to us at four uh, and at 15. Um, so it kind of, you know, again, it, it really factored into those trade discussions, right? And so uh, it, it, in some cases it was us pulling back versus, you know, versus another team pulling back because, you know, it, it didn't really make sense for us because we were happy with where we already were, if that makes wow. sense.
absolutely glad to hear you're happy with those. And let's dive into some of these prospects. So we'll start with the number four pick, Trey LeClaire, forward out of OSU. Uh, what's he going to bring to this team? What's his experience? What's he going to bring to the box game? Yeah, so Trey is uh, a big athletic man. So he's a 6'3", six, 6'4", six, six, around 215. Uh, I'm hearing from his college coach, 0% body fat as well. So he... He's an athletic specimen, um, but he can, um, you know, his game is a very dynamic game. He can, his, his strength, I would say, uh, first and foremost, if I kind of have to rank his strengths or his main assets on the floor uh, as a player, his shot would be number one. So he can hammer the ball. So he, he, he has range on his shot. He, uh, he can, what we call, stretch the floor. Uh, with his shot so it opens up uh, the middle of the floor because other defenses uh, have to respect his shot uh, from pretty much anywhere as soon as he crosses half you know so it's kind of like a Steph Curry type shooter right where it's like again like you've got to respect it right which would open up the floor for other players uh, within the offense Um, I would say his second biggest asset as a player is again it's just his athleticism so he can we we think he has the ability to get to the net at will so he's very uh you know he's very dynamic he, he's quick he's got good, good feet uh and he's a tough check he's, he's kind of slippery for being a big man um so he can get so again if you uh you over overcompensate trying to defend his outside shot he'll beat you to the net um etc and and i think the third thing uh, which is very important to us now is just his size overall. Uh, we were we were lacking some size, especially on the right side. Uh, so he's able to kind of bang bodies and move people around uh, for other players uh, that might lack size on that right side. So I think those are his biggest assets as a player. Then on the other side of the offense, uh, hopefully somebody that Trey plays with for a long time, uh, Mac O'Keefe from Penn State. Looks like if uh, everything goes according to NCAA season, he's going to be a, a record holder at the end of that season. So a pretty gifted offensive player, sounds like. Yeah, so so Mac is is very, actually very similar to Trey. Um, you know, I would say more of a, a pure goal scorer, um, you know, a shooter. Um, and so – um, but you know, he's got actually a really, you know, for being an American guy, he's got a, he's got great level of box indoor experience. Um, so he played, uh, he played junior A lacrosse, uh, up in, up in Canada, up in Orangeville, which has become a, an indoor box lacrosse, uh, factory or Mecca. Um, but his, his dad also played in the league. I don't know if you knew that or that's a fun fact. Our president, Steve Govett would have played against his dad, um, in, in in the league, he played for the New York Saints and the New, New Jersey Storm. So, uh, Mac has always had goals to play in the NLL since he was a young kid, because obviously looking up to his father. So, he has a really good skill set that he's developed both through in, outdoor and indoor. And I think he's going to be a, a really dynamic player. Um, you know, we have we we're really happy with the lefties that we have right now, the four lefties that we have right now, and in Austin, Zach Greer, Casey Jackson, and Connor Fields. Um, but, but Mac obviously, you know, provides us with some insurance uh, both this year, if he's able to join us after his season's over at Penn State, um, but also obviously in the future. Um, and, you know, it's funny because uh, we had lots of conversations with, uh, with 
both Trey and Max, uh, college coaches, Coach Myers at Ohio State and Coach Tambroni at Penn State. And those, those two programs are, are rivals, not only in football, but in lacrosse as well. And they're both, both programs are ranked really high this year. So they, had a, they have, both have a good chance to make the Final Four this year. So, but they can't get there without going through each other. So, uh, uh, but Mac and – but both coaches are like, oh, my gosh, like that's a pretty dynamic duo to have on the same team. Uh, on one one side of the field and the other um, so again that'll that'll bode well for the seals down the road a pick that had to make uh, Jeremy Noble and Westberg happy fellow Denver University alums uh, Danny Logan it was the third pick for for the seals what's what's he going to bring to the team yeah freak freak athlete so we we needed some we felt like we you know obviously Brody's getting a little bit older and um, you know, our, our transition game, you know, again, we have some young guys coming up, but, but most of the guys that we have uh, currently on our roster that are young defenders are, are more kind of stay at home, true, uh, you know, bigger kind of defenders. Um, you know, Danny's big, he's a big man, but, but also uh, is very comfortable transitioning the ball. And, uh, and again, has some great uh, box experience as well, playing in the collegiate uh, Colorado League. Uh, in the off season, um, you know, uh, he's he's played there for a few summers, and he's got some great coaches at, at Denver uh, University of Denver that that have a box indoor background. And so, you know, Matt Brown, uh, the coach at Denver, and, and John Gallant, and 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 their coaches there really had a lot of great things about Danny, and think that his game is going to translate really well to the indoor game once he graduates. And and we agree. And. He's a guy that can defend really well, pick up uh, loose balls or ground balls and push it up the floor, but he can also score. So we're excited to have him as well. The fourth pick, a young man out of Providence, uh, Robert Stovall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Robert Stovall is, again, a a mean defender, uh, much like Tyson. We were talking about Tyson Balmberry earlier. Uh, you know, uh, he's a more stay-at-home guy, uh, but he is tough. So uh, not afraid to drop the mitts um, not, and, and, and fight. And again, very, very similar to a Garrett McIntosh type player. And, you know, lo- losing Garrett uh, when, when Robbie's name was available uh, in, 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 in when, when we were able to select him, uh, we thought a lot about, uh, you know, replacing Garrett. And the next player uh, out of Virginia had a lot of NCAA fans excited that he was going to be a part of the SEALs organization, Docs Aiken. An interesting name as well. Yeah, great, great lacrosse name. Uh, Yeah, Docs Aiken is, again, a a freak uh, athlete. He played in a great program at at Virginia University, uh, won a national championship there. but you know he also he's a he's a division one football player as well so he he is an elite athlete in every sense of that word and um again very very committed and enthusiastic about playing in our league and i think uh he he is a perfect prototypical athlete for our our league in terms of what he can do out there there's nothing really on the lacrosse floor that doc Aiken can't do and then to finish up, uh, you got a California kid from Cleveland State, Troy Looper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Troy, again, uh, you know, we, we scared him. Again, a guy that uh, played uh, a lot of indoor lacrosse in the San Diego area, as well as uh, in, in, in the U.S. Boxla series. 
uh, growing up and, and again has great college experience at, at Cleveland State. So, you know, a shifty uh, lefty uh, that can score uh, and I think has a good, really, really good understanding of the box game. But, you know, anyone that, anyone that you draft, you know, in the, in the later rounds, um, you know, his, you know, is, is uh, kind of icing on the cake if they, if they, if they can make it, but, uh, but also players that you hope have potential that you can develop longer term as well. So kind of just wrapping up, it sounds like uh, either there was an emphasis or you were fortunate to add a lot of athleticism and guys that could kind of bring a different dimension to your offense and your defense. Absolutely. And we just think that's the way the game is going. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, thankfully I don't play anymore, Mike, but, um, you know, because these guys are, as you know, they're big and, and really fast and, and, and that's just the way the game is. And, and it's, it's hard to survive if, if you don't have that. And so, um, yeah, definitely an area of, of focus for us, but I, I would say that that was a, an area of focus for every, every single other GM in the, in the league with this draft. And, and I think it also speaks to the, the depth of this draft as well um athletically is that you know it, I think people are going to look back on the 2020 draft obviously because it's a unique year um but also just you know I think there's going to be a lot of future um long time successful NLL players maybe even a couple hall of famers in this in this draft uh when it's all said and done and then just to put a bow on this draft and a little clarity uh, which draft picks are going back to school and which draft picks do you anticipate possibly having in camp this coming year? Well, uh, Trey and uh, Trey LeClaire and Mac O'Keefe are both currently at school are, are back at school. Um, uh, so uh, uh, docs, docs will be a kind of a game time decision. Danny Logan will be back at school as well uh, at Denver. Um, and then the rest of the guys will be Robbie Stoville, uh, Jacob Patterson, Troy Loper are all going to be available at camp. Very good. Well, it's been a somewhat eventful offseason. Uh, I think we're all looking forward to the season, seeing some of these guys in action. Uh, whenever that may be, hopefully we'll get uh, some clarity on the schedule coming soon and when that, what that means for training camp. Uh, we can't wait to see you and all the guys back here in San Diego and uh, hopefully playing some games in Pachanga Arena exciting the San Diego fans soon. Thanks a lot, Mike. I, I can speak for all the rest of the guys and the rest of the staff as well is that we, we miss it. And uh, we, we miss the game. We miss the city. We miss, the, we miss being around the team and the, and the fight and the competitive aspect of it. So, you know, again, we're ho all hoping for good news sometime soon. And, and uh, you know, but we're really excited about this, this edition of the, of the San Diego Seals. I think, uh, I think we have a really solid group. Well, we appreciate the time, Patrick, and uh, look forward to seeing you. All the best to you and the family and everybody up north, and uh, hope to see you soon. You as well, buddy. Thanks a lot. Take care.